Well, good Monday morning, everybody. It's the 13th of September. And my title today is The Three Realities of Why Recovery from Porn is So Difficult. Some people like to live in a world of fantasy, even when it has no basis in facts. Those of us who have become addicted to porn and sex, well, we're experts in creating fantasy in our minds. And now we can easily find almost anything we could fantasize about and participate in it online. We are fantasy experts, whether we're online or not, right? So how does that happen? Becoming addicted to sex and porn is easy because it gives us such a great relief from the stress and or pain that we're experiencing, and now it can be accessed almost anywhere and at almost any time, and there are really no discernible after-effects that could be noticed by others. Unless you're careless and do not delete your history files or texts or emails that tell the truth to others about what you've been up to. So your addiction has been discovered. If you are young and it's your parents who find out, they can take some of the steps necessary to help you. However, even if they lock down all of your devices, put porn blockers uh, even onto the Wi-Fi, they probably do not yet know that you can still access porn through a smart TV or your online gaming connection. Plus, last but not least, they cannot turn off your mind. Where we have the capacity to fantasize just using our thoughts and imaginations. It might be like you being addicted to donuts. And there's a Dunkin' Donuts right next door. And oh, by the way, a Krispy Kreme factory right across the street. And someone has opened a Tim Hortons franchise in your basement. And all three can instantly deliver to your room at the speed of thought. And those donuts can materialize immediately when you have the urge for something soft, warm, and sweet circles of deliciousness. Plus, all of it is absolutely free. Eventually, someone finds out that you're addicted to donuts or porn and threatens to throw you out of the house, maybe end your marriage. You could get fired from your job. You are in danger of losing everything you hold dear and hold with value. Those consequences, which you've ignored for years, have suddenly come crashing down, and so you are now finally ready to stop, hopefully, no matter what it takes. Well, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that sexual addiction is one of the most difficult addictions to stop because porn has been releasing chemicals in your brain as soon as you even begin to think a thought, see an ad, see your neighbor across the street, a, a woman at church or at the market, and it just takes one little hint of a sexual idea that sets you off and you're craving for your sex and porn fix. 
it is a chemical addiction between our ears and almost everything we need is free, almost instant, and a very effective way of escaping whatever is stressing you out at the moment. But maybe you finally come to the place where you realize that if you do not stop this porn and masturbation addiction, your life's going to change in a very negative way. You will lose some of the things that you love and most value about your life. For example, one of the more stupid things that I know one man tried, uh, which their addiction was driving them to try, even though it was risking blowing up his family, and it was such a dumb idea, but seemed like a good one to him in his moments of insanity, and it was this. He was a very successful businessman and had owned his own company in this community for decades, well-respected in his community and in his church, thought he would try to create a video while he and his wife were having sex, using his iPad and without his wife's consent. Well, he made the video all right. Somewhere down the road, he forgot to delete it. And then one day, his teenage son was using the iPad, and guess what he discovered? Atomic bomb goes off in his family, and I get called in to help him with his now-disclosed addiction. So you're at the place where you really, really, really need to stop, and you want to stop. However, no matter how strong your good intentions are, this is not an issue that will just go away because you're crying out to God for some instant deliverance or what I like to call the zap trap. God just zapped me, and I'll be fine. Well, he hadn't done that, has he? However, you find it's far more difficult than you ever expected, and you may have lost all hope of ever getting better. So let's look at the three realities that all of us face, which causes our ability to stop using porn to be feeble at best. You see, we have this internal enemy, and we have an external enemy, and we're living behind enemy lines. And these three realities will be with us as long as we are alive in this present body and living in this culture. So let's look at the first one today. The internal enemy is what the Bible calls our flesh. The flesh is something we are born with and will have till we die. At its very core is selfishness and rebellion, which is why some of the very first words your beautiful little child learns to say is mine and no. As we age, we begin to learn how to keep it under control and we make good choices, but when one becomes addicted to anything, this flesh suddenly becomes the Hulk. It becomes stronger the more we feed it. It does not get saved. It does not become nicer or better. It does not limp off into oblivion just because we became believers. James says this 
to his readers, who are all believers. Quote, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. This is where lust lives, in our flesh, or our sin nature. And then he goes on, Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it has run it, its course, brings forth death. The reason we want to sin, in spite of being a born-again follower of Christ, it is because our flesh is still in us, and our flesh is our internal enemy. Now, it might surprise you to know that the Apostle Paul had the same battle with his flesh. That's right. Paul the Apostle, formerly known as Saul, he's writing the book to the Romans, and he gets to chapter 7, and he says this, quote, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Romans 7, 18 and 19. Isn't that a bit surprising to hear Paul write those words? However, God has not left us to continue to lose this battle with our flesh or sin nature. He has given us a resource that far exceeds the power of sin or our flesh. The solution is not for us to try to defeat our flesh, which we will not ever be able to do, but to allow him to do it for us and in us, which is why the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit that Christ said would be better for him or for us, for Christ to leave and the Spirit to come. He's entered your body and he resides in you so that he, he can give you the ability to put to death the deeds of the flesh. He can fill you and enable you to be controlled by him and to find hope and strength in a body of fellow believers who can also give us the accountability and the support that we all need. So our internal enemy is the flesh. Tomorrow we'll look at our external enemy. This is John Doyle with 180 Podcast. God bless you, my friends. I hope you have a great day in the Lord, and we'll talk again tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.